Welcome back to Tailgates and Turnovers, everybody. We are recording for Friday, going into week four of the college football season. I'm your host, Tyler. Here with a new contributor today, we got Michael with us. Michael, how's it going, brother? Good, brother. How about you, man? Not too bad. Ready for this weekend. Ready to check out a pretty solid slate of games here. But before we do that, I think we just need to go over a little bit of news that happened uh, over the past week and a half-ish in college football. The big one is Herm Edwards finally getting the axe from Arizona State. Um, I think it was pretty much inevitable. I don't think anybody was necessarily surprised that it happened. Maybe maybe that it happened so early in the season, but you just kind of felt like he was a dead man walking going into the year. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, what the investigation piled up on top of, you know, they've got a little turmoil going on in the athletic department. I think the, the ADs on the hot seat as well there from everything I've read. And then on the field product has certainly not been up to par. No, it hasn't, which is crazy. And, you know, for Arizona and Arizona State both, not only is Arizona the state of Arizona a pretty solid talent bed, but they're right next to Southern California. Like, it should not yep. be as difficult as it is to be good. You know, not necessarily championship contenders or anything like that, but they should be able to put together a good team year in and year out at both of those universities. And it's just nuts that they don't. No, absolutely. And I think a part of a part of it, too, is the fact that USC has been poaching players from Arizona State and specifically yeah. off their roster as well with the transfer portal. And a part of that, to be fair, is probably because the writing was on the wall for Herm and the staff there. So yeah. some of those players probably hit the road when they had a chance to. Yeah. And you mentioned the investigation. So for those of us that don't know, um, Herm Edwards was under investigation and caught by the NCAA for hosting official visits while the COVID lockdowns were happening. Mm-hmm. And it was against NCAA rules at the time, so he he got tagged by that. And honestly, that's that's just dumb. It's one of those things where the coaches you would assume everybody just kind of agreed, like, hey, you know, we usually kind of skirt the rules a little bit, but this is actually pretty serious. So, um, and then Herm was picked just a, like, nope, fuck y'all, just gonna do yeah, it. Picked a real bad time to get your hand caught in the cookie jar with everything yeah. that was going on there. What? Who do you think is even? Who do you think would take that job with everything going on? I mean, I, I know Arizona State's not historically a destination job. They, you know, they've ele- they've helped be a stepping stone in coaches' careers. But that's with everything that's going on now, man. I mean, it's you're going to really be reaching. I feel like if you're if you're an ASU's position. Not only that, but so from the reports that I've heard slash read, the athletic director that you said is on the hot seat, which I think is correct. He is apparently going to be in charge of this search, so oh. it's or at least like helping with this search, which is a huge mistake by Arizona State, in my opinion. So I don't know, I don't know why you would want to go there with an athletic director who is a dead man walking as well. Like, why would you even want to hit yourself to that wagon at this point? Man, I, I, I was reading a list earlier about potential candidates to fill that role, and it was honestly kind of sobering. I mean, they were talking about. You know, how even, you know, Kenny Dillingham, who's in his first year out at Oregon, they're saying how they would even be lucky to get someone like him to consider it with the position they're in right now. And I don't even know that he's that fantastic of a play caller, to be honest with you. Yeah, I mean, it's it's super early to tell with him at Oregon, at least. But, like, they're they're definitely not going to be able to pull the kind of names that Nebraska is apparently shooting for, which I don't know who the hell they think they're going to get. But Urban Meyer. (laughs) Yeah, I hope he goes to fucking Nebraska. Oh, man, I you know. I, I hope he doesn't get another job personally, but well, yeah, you know, that's 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 a good point. Hope he just yeah. doesn't. I, get him off of Fox at least. I wouldn't in, say, yeah, I wouldn't say that about a lot of people. And I don't like talking, you know, 
Yeah. Not trying to slander him that hard, but that's, you know, he's, I don't have a lot of respect for him. It's only slander if it's not true. That's exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, Arizona State just a mess right now, and the culture there is a mess too. I remember when uh, Jaden Daniels transferred out and players were like trashing his locker room and talking all kinds of shit about him. It's just a bad look. Like, he is proving them wrong. Like, he's proving himself correct at this point yeah. based on his play at LSU and just based on what Arizona State's looking like. So, I mean, Herm obviously was not fostering a very positive culture out there either. Not at all. And, and again, on the field product was just not good. His style was very, you know, kind of early, late 90s, early 2000s NFL ball where they were still trying to score 17 to 21 points a game and just play defense. And that's yeah. in, this, in this landscape of college football, especially at Arizona State. Mm-mm. That's not that's not going to cut it. Absolutely not. And like you know, trying. I think they were one of the schools besides Michigan who was not going to get involved in NIL. Like they said that they were going to develop mm-hmm. five star players, not hire them, shit like that. It's just like, come on, man. Like that, you're just man. not doing your job the I've way you should be. Before. I've heard that spill before. Three star players, five star hearts, man. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like you just can't do that, and especially when you're like again Arizona. It's a pretty talented state to go get some recruits, and you should be able to pull guys that can improve your program, and they just haven't been able to. Without a doubt. Yeah. So Herm is gone. Good riddance, I guess. I'm curious to see where he ends up, maybe maybe on NFL Network or something like that, doing some kind of talking head shit. But uh, moving cool. on, going to switch it up. And we had some drama come out between Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. Uh, Mike Gundy – seems pretty pissed that he is implicitly being blamed for Bedlam ending once Oklahoma joins the SEC. And rightfully so. I mean, his argument is basically, y'all left. It's not not my fault that you guys left. I don't see why I have to bend to what your demands are. And I don't blame him. I don't blame him either. And the fan and college football fan in me just, you know, rivalries are what make college football college football. And I, right. I hate to see it. You know, that's that's one of the more historic rivalries that you'd actually, even if you're not a fan of that team or even that conference, you're going to tune in to watch. And losing that game, you know, Mike Gundy's an electric personality. And anytime they play, it's kind of one of those things. You Most years, there, there's always that year where you just don't know what's going to happen. And yep. that's that's a fun one that I hate to lose. That's must-see TV most of the time. And, Absolutely. like, just even if you take out the history of it, just the atmosphere, like – you know, one of the big tropes about that game is that the sky looks different in Stillwater on Bedlam nights. Like, it, it's just, yeah. it's something that, like you said, it's what makes college football great. And Bedlam especially is just one of those games where it's like, okay, this is what college football is. And it does suck that they're going to lose it. But, like, I again, I don't necessarily blame Oklahoma State for what happened there because they got blindsided by Oklahoma. And... Like, I don't know what they're supposed to do about that. Hopefully, at some point, they could reschedule that for an out-of-conference game. But I don't know why they would. I don't know why you – honestly, I don't know why you would schedule any out-of-conference game with the team. That- well, yeah, that's a whole nother argument. You know, I think 10 years – time heals, and I think you let the wounds heal a little bit. And both fan bases know how important that game is, and especially the administrations and yeah. the TV – you know, all the money that comes with that. I Give it time. That, game's, that game will be back down the road. I, I would certainly hope so. I mean, again, it's one of those – that's one of those games. Like, there's probably, like, ten college football rivalry games that are, like, must-see over the course of the season. And Absolutely. Like, that's just – that's easily one of them. Oh, it's one of the fun ones, like I said earlier. Yeah, for sure. But 
Yeah, that's about all we had in terms of news from college football. I mean, there was a little bit of stuff that came out. Uh, the Athletic put an article about the NCAA video game that's going to be coming out, just confirming a couple things that were already rumored, though. So nothing crazy breaking news or anything. They did confirm that the transfer portal is going to be a mechanism in the game, which oh wow, I it would be cool if it wasn't you know EA in charge of it. So I can only imagine it's going to be the worst possible iteration of what the transfer portal would look like. So. We'll see how that one ends up going, but uh, you know, I, 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 I'm sorry to cut you off. I honestly missed the uh, the update on that. What was have they released? Is the time frame still the same before the, uh, before yeah. the season? Or okay, yes, yeah, before next season. I think July uh, 2023 is when they're planning on putting that out. But yeah, none of the other details have real. No new details have emerged. They're still trying to get every single school, every single uh, player for those 130 FBS schools on there. Um, mm-hmm. there was some rumors about what the pay scale was going to look like for the athletes and everything. And, you know, it sounds like they're just having some trouble getting a few stragglers in, but they've, uh-huh. you know, they've been getting all the music and all of like the pageantry stuff figured out. And I think that's probably what's been taking them the most time, especially since they're just, they're building this from scratch. Basically. It's not like we're, you know, I don't think it's going to take them this long to make games later on because I already have the foundation for it, but I don't know. I, like yeah. I'm excited for it. But it's one of those things where I know the gameplay on the field is not going to be great just because EA doesn't have a great track record with that. But if the off-field stuff is good, then that'll like I'll be able to tolerate the gameplay stuff. If like the recruiting aspect is good, just the program building stuff in general is good. If that's good, I'm good. I'm just glad it's coming back out. They're, yeah. As far as I'm concerned, they're doing God's work, and I'm I'm just fine with that. I'm, I'm ready bring for the it. game back, and I'm. I will be locking myself in my apartment for a while. It's been, it's, is. it's been, what, like 10 years since the last one came out, I think? 14, I believe, is the last one that came out in 13. So, yeah, we're yeah. approaching 10 years. It's going to be 10 years by the time out. it comes out. My God. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, there's been some uh, – you can play, like, a modded version of NCAA 14 that has updated rosters on, like, the, you know, the PC, and, like, there's ways to do it on consoles and everything. And that's how people have been able to hold themselves over. But, like, you can't play online with anybody, so that just kind of – you're just kind of playing a solo career and that's, you know, it's not the most uh, difficult thing to build a powerhouse program when you're doing that. So not at all. No. Yeah. But yeah, that'll be fun. Uh, I think once we get a little closer to the release and get some more details, we'll probably go a little deeper on that. But in the meantime, I think we can just kind of go into some of these games here and we're starting with the game that is currently being played. It is West Virginia Mm -hmm. at Virginia tech. Uh, neither one of them have been particularly good to start the season off. Uh, I was, I was pretty impressed by West Virginia that, uh, that week one game against Pitt. I thought that was a fun game to watch, but besides that, I mean, Virginia Tech got beat by Old Dominion and, you know, West Virginia hasn't exactly impressed since then. Like they're just not in a good place right now. No, they're not. I mean, I, I'm trying to look up what the score is of the game right now. It's seven to three right now. Well, you get within two minutes of the first half. Uh, West Virginia, I'm assuming. Virginia Tech. Really? Yeah, West Virginia's got the ball on the Virginia Tech 18, though, and it's fourth and three. So, you know, I'd, I'd kind of just, I'd kind of pick West Virginia as far as who, you know, if we were doing a pick them, that's what I would have brought out of gone just based on their, they're actually scoring points. Yeah. They're actually scoring points on offense. Their defense looked okay against Pitt. Uh, their yeah, pass they rush looked good. Well, they just gave up 55 to Kansas last yeah, there's week. Not, there's also um, that. <laughs> or two weeks ago, excuse me. But, yeah, and so I, I went with Pitt, excuse me, West Virginia, just because the quarterback, and I thought they, they're a little more consistent on offense. I, I don't know. Defense looked okay. But, you know, I don't 
I'm not going to sit here and say I know, uh, I know an amazing amount about about their team, but that was my pick just based on JT Daniels and how they looked against Pitt. Yeah, it looks like they just kicked a field goal, so it's now seven to six. Probably going okay. to the half here. Yeah, it's doable. Less reason to, to hit the panic button with them, but yeah, I mean, you know, Neil Brown, he he's definitely a coach on the hot seat. I mean, I don't know what the odds. I don't. I haven't seen any odds for like the first coaches to get fired, but I have to imagine he's on it. Um, if they can't win any game, like, I don't know when he's going to get fired, but it just seems more in out than ever. Um, just not, I mean, just disappointing for both teams. I think West Virginia could have been a pretty good team coming in with JT Daniels. And the, again, they looked mm-hmm. like at week one against Pitt, but they just have not impressed since then. Not to put you on the spot, but what do you think is the, the exact problem there with him? I mean, his, his coaching career overall, I mean, he's 53 and 36. It's not amazing, but he was 17 and 18, I think, finishing last season going into, I think he's 18 and 20 right now at West Virginia. I mean, what is the problem with them? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, it's tough. They got talent. Yeah. They, I mean, honestly, just looking back at some of their recruiting rankings, they, they haven't cracked the top 30 in at least three years. Um, yeah, so, I mean, they just don't have a very talented roster. I don't know. I can't necessarily tell you who the best player besides JT Daniels they have on their roster. Yeah, um, yeah they, they're just not doing a good job at putting players on the field and getting them in West Virginia. Um, yeah. And that's the name of the game in college football is recruiting. Like, you have to be able to be good at recruiting in order to be a successful coach. And, you know, obviously there's different – there's different standards for different tiers of team. I think everybody knows that, but and that that probably would have been a better way to to word my question as far as you know why isn't it working? What what does West Virginia expect out of a coach? Right. I I don't know what they expect out of him. I mean, they at one point they were the Virginia Tech's kind of the same way. They were once very cool programs to be a part yeah. of. So I, I don't know what the expectations are, at least from like the fans or from the university, but. It seems pretty clear that Neil Brown is not meeting them, whatever they are. And, you know, starting the way they have, I can't necessarily mm-hmm. blame them for being disappointed in how it's been going. But they've got to find somebody that can recruit a little bit better. I mean, they're competing with, you know, Penn State and North Carolina. You know, the DMV area is just a really solid spot to pick up some talent. And they're just not doing a good job of getting players out of there overall. Yeah, they, get, that's they, fair. they can get a couple guys here and there, but, like, they just got to be more consistent at it, I think. So what do we got next? Syracuse? Yeah, so that's tomorrow. And that's going to be at 7 o'clock on ESPN. Uh, UVA at Syracuse. Syracuse is looking pretty good. I'm eating crow on Syracuse. I thought Syracuse was going to be an absolute stinker of a team. Them and Duke, Duke, I mean, there's a ton of teams this season that are starting off way better than I thought they would. Arizona – Kansas, like they are even shit, even Vanderbilt. I don't think they're going to win any more games now that they're getting into conference play, but I mean, shit. Well, they, based on, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was going to say, it was just based on what their, you know, preseason predictions were for their win totals. Like these are teams are all overperforming like crazy. Well, and based on the, the fact that they're looking to go four and only for the second time since 91, it's a pretty wild statistic too. So yeah, that's a solid season by Syracuse standards. Yeah, or a solid start to it, I should say. Um, yeah, it's got to see how they finish it out there. But and Virginia's had a couple really sloppy games too. Yeah, uh, against there. So I mean, I I'm not gonna sit here and act like this is a, a lock pick, but I think I'd probably go Syracuse on that one. 
Uh, they won handily against Louisville and uh, and UConn. They got that quality win over Purdue too, which I think is pretty. You know, that's impressive for Syracuse in my books. Yeah, Purdue's a decent team. Um, Virginia, on the other hand, you know they have not necessarily had the best. I mean, you know they beat Richmond pretty comfortably, but they struggled against Old Dominion. Like they pulled mm-hmm. that out by two points, and then yeah. they got smacked by Illinois. So. I don't know. Brendan Armstrong is a pretty good quarterback. Like, I, I don't think he, you know, based on last year, I don't know if he's starting off necessarily as well as he should be this year, but I'm tempted to pick Syracuse on that one as well. Like, I I don't know. I think that Armstrong is going to be able to perform pretty well against that Syracuse team, but I don't know if the rest of the team around him is going to do enough to get to propel them to like, it's a yeah, team that, just... It's a team that clearly has momentum on their side. Yeah, that's exactly what I was about to say. I'm just going to ride the mo, baby, and just yeah. lock Syracuse down. That's that's where I would go with that one. Pick them until they don't give you a reason not to, you know? Hey, well, exactly. And Virginia's just had, again, they've had some sloppy games, and they're not – I mean, they – yeah, like you said, they beat Old, Old Dominion by two points, I think. I mean, it's – yeah, I'm going Syracuse on that one. You think playing in the Dome is a weird experience for a visiting team? Like, I don't – I can't think of any other college football teams that play in a Dome. Man, that's, you know, I want to say that's overrated, to be honest with you, but in college, especially when that's not a common thing and these kids are coming from high school, you know, they're not in the NFL used to it. My gut wants to tell me no. I mean, end of the day, ball is ball. Yeah. It's, I mean, if anything, the, the elements are more desirable. Yeah, I, I mean, bet yeah, they, yeah. Kicker, kickers probably love it. Yeah, that's, I, you, so the receivers and quarterbacks, I don't. I don't know. My gut says I, I don't think it's it's really a disadvantage or an advantage either way. Yeah. It's probably an advantage to get to play in a dome regular on a regular basis. Yeah, I would agree with anything. that. I think there's probably a little bit of just like an adjustment to what it sounds like in a dome as opposed to being outside. But I think once they finally get settled in, it probably doesn't matter a whole lot. So. But how many people you really think are showing up for that game? Maybe more now. <laughs> I mean, hopefully more than 20 now that 3-0. and <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, so that's gonna be that one could end up being a pretty fun game for a Friday night. Honestly, I wouldn't I wouldn't be shocked if that one pretty exciting. Um, moving on, we got our Saturday slate. Saturday's not looking too, like too bad of a slate this week as opposed what we mm-hmm. thought last week was going to be pretty slow, but they ended up having quite a few good games. Um, we're gonna start with the big noon kickoff, Maryland at Michigan. Uh, Michigan's favored by 17 points, and the over/under set at 64. And Michigan has not exactly uh, had a tough start to their season. No, they've played three of the bottom eight teams in college football. They've played Connecticut, Hawaii, and Colorado State. I think is the other one. And you know they did what they're supposed to do. They just beat the shit out of them. So, I mean, good on them for not struggling. You know, some teams will end up laying an egg in those games, getting ready for the next big game or something like that. But, you know, I think they did a very good job at doing what they were supposed to do. And honestly, I think now that they have the starting quarterback situation figured out, I th- man, they're, I think they're going to be a wagon this year, honestly. Well, J.J. McCarthy's completing an astonishing 88% of his passes right now, albeit only 34 attempts. I don't think, I don't think it's sustainable. <laughs> no. Well, it's, and I also think that says something about how dominating they've been in their wins. When your starting quarterback's doing 34 passes, you had the other guy, and I know they're, you know, they're rotating with Cade McNamara, and he got 25 attempts. But, 
I mean, it, the, when you sit there and look at the split, it's not even close. He was 56% and McCarthy's at 88 at three touchdowns. It's, it's, I think that says a lot about how their team is. I would agree with you. I think they're going to be a wagon. They're, I think offensively they should be improved this year. Almost have to be. I mean, McNamara, yeah. McNamara is fine. Like, he is a prototypical Big Ten quarterback. Like, if you're not at an Ohio State, like, he, he is a big t- a quarterback. He would find at pretty much any other Big Ten school except for maybe, like, um, yeah. you know, he's he'll get the job done most of the time. But if he gets in a situation where he has to – if it's a shootout, he's not going to be able to get you there. J.J. McCarthy, obviously, untested. But he was a five-star talent coming out, and he's looking every bit of those five stars right now. Yeah, again, like you said, can he sustain it? Probably. I mean, that's all, that is almost an unsustainable number. You're not going to keep almost a ninety percent clip throughout the year. That's that's NCAA fourteen type statistics yeah. right there. That's playing that's on rookie mode. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I don't. I think I would take Michigan minus seventeen every bit of that. I don't know if I touch the over at sixty four on that personally. Um, I think that's. I think I would. I would hammer UM minus seventeen though. Yeah, I, I agree. I just, I, I don't think you know Maryland's been winning games, but Michigan is dominating their games right now, and that's just a different. There's a talent. Michigan's recruiting well; they're well. I mean, they're Michigan. That's a lock for me. Yeah, I would agree. And Michigan's recruiting isn't necessarily at the level that it should have been. Like this class and next year's class, the way it's shaping up right now, not indicative of a team that just made the college football playoff and won the Big Ten. Uh, but that being said, it's still orders of magnitude better than what Maryland's doing for recruiting. Um, Maryland is able to score points, though, and if there's one thing about Michigan is that they did lose some key talent on the defense that hasn't necessarily been tested yet by any of the teams that they've played, but you're going up against a Maryland team that has some playmakers, and they might be able to do something. So I I, I would agree with you on not touching the over, the over-under there. Uh, if I had to pick one, I would probably take the over because I do think Maryland is going to be able to put some points up, but... Michigan is just such a good team this year. And I think, you know, they were probably a little bit disrespected by a lot of people based on the fact that that quarterback controversy was going on. Didn't seem like Harbaugh knew what the hell he was doing, but maybe he does. Um, Well, and I think you mentioned recruiting is not where it should be. And I think a lot of that is because all the stuff, the uncertainty around Harbaugh the past couple of years, that definitely hindered last year's class. And who knows what it did to the relationships for the class going into this year. Because you know these kids are getting recruited in eighth grade, ninth yeah. grade. Tenth, uh, and so, um, you know, and to be honest with you, the UM minus 17, I, I don't know that I really sincerely call that a lock. That's kind of a gut reaction based on name brand recognition a little yeah. bit. And the fact that Michigan was a playoff team last year and just the scores of their first three games, you're kind of going off of. Because you're right, Maryland can score. But – I, yeah, I, mean, I, I think I, if you really put a gun to my head, I, I think I would take UM minus 17. I would agree there. And, yeah, like you said about Harbaugh not being, you know, the most steadfast lock into Michigan this past couple of years, the dude left for a job interview on national si- or early signing day this year. Mm-hmm. And, honestly, he probably thought it was a formality. He probably thought he was going there to accept a job offer, and that obviously – didn't happen, so he had to come back with some egg on his face. But yeah. at the same time, like he is building a program that can win the Big Ten and can get to the college football playoff. Um, as of right now, I don't really think there's any program on Georgia's level or, to a lesser extent, Alabama and Ohio State. Like 
there's just nobody in that ballpark. But I think Michigan is pretty squarely in that third tier along with, you know, like Clemson and, and, you know, some other schools there that can compete against like the tier two schools. But like they're they're not going to be a national championship contender. I think everybody knows that. But if Harbaugh does stick around and he keeps on building a program, they may be able to get there down the line. I, I think I agree wholeheartedly with everything you just said there. That was that was very well said. I, they just got to get definitely. They need to be more active in NIL though. And Harbaugh is the other big name coach that was like, "No, this is transformational, not transactional." It's okay. Shut up and get these kids some money. Harbaugh is a definition of old school coach who yeah. absolutely rejects the idea of NIL. I mean, you hear stories about this man wearing his cleats and recruits home on recruiting visits. Sleeping That's, over and stuff. Like he's, I, He is in a different generation of coach there. I don't have any doubt that he like cares about the player. Like, I, I, I think he's a very sincere person, uh, for better or worse. Uh, it's it's kind of like Dabo to a certain extent. Like, Dabo, I think is – I, I dislike Dabo more than I dislike Harbaugh. I will say that because really? Dabo tends to be a little more like preachery and chips are on our shoulder and all that stuff. And Har- I don't feel like Harbaugh is – he's just kind of eccentric, I think. So that, that uh, I think that's, that's, that's kind that's of a fair. difference. No, that's fair. But if you had to build a program at your school, I mean, which coach are you picking? Come I mean, on. yeah, if I had to pick a program, I would pick Dabo, obviously. Yeah, 10 times out of 10. Yeah. But speaking of Dabo, uh, might as well just get right into the next game here. Clemson at Wake. Uh, You know, Mm -hmm. Sam Hartman back, obviously, for Wake Forest. He had a decent game last week. He threw three touchdowns, also two picks. Uh, You can maybe be able to attribute that to Russ or, yeah, Rust. But, I mean, they only beat Liberty by one last week, and it's not the same Liberty team that it was last season. No, it is not. Malik Willis is in the NFL. Yep. Um, yeah, I mean, there's still a program there. Hugh Freeze has been building there for a little bit. Uh, Russ is probably a fair, a fair thing for that. You know, I mean, Clemson, DJ's starting to find his groove on the other side yeah. of that. Uh, he, he's, you know, he's looking good. He's at almost 65% completion percentage right now. And that's, I mean, a five to one touchdown, uh, the interception ratio. That's a pretty, it's not a bad clip there. And no, it's not. And it's definitely, he's turned it around from that week one or week zero game against Georgia Tech. Uh, I think a lot of people were very rightly worried about what DJ was going to look like, especially coming off of last season. And, you know, he didn't necessarily do a lot to assuage those fears. But I I think he's definitely finding his groove, like you said. Um, It is going to be a pretty big test for both teams. Uh, I think it's going to be a lot bigger of a test for Wake, though, because Clemson's defense has not had any rust. They did not give anybody any reason to you know, doubt them. And they are looking every bit like the world beaters that they should be on that defensive line, especially. Well, and that's, it's funny in my notes, you know, I put down to where Wake Forest has scored. Yeah, it'll be their first test. I mean, Wake Forest has scored 44, 45 and 37 points in weeks one uh, through three respectively, but that defense is still legit. Clemson's yeah. defense is the real deal. I, if, if uh, you know, Sam Hartman's having trouble turning the ball over, two picks isn't terrible, but we're only three games in. Uh, you know, I, I see Clemson, if, he, if they can't play a clean game, Clemson probably wins this game by 10-plus points. Yeah, and I think they're uh, seven-and-a-half-point favorites as of right now, and I feel okay. I feel pretty comfortable taking that, honestly. Yeah. Like that one, I, I would hammer that one all day. But, it's you know, it's just tough because there obviously isn't a – this is another game where there's a huge talent disparity. But mm-hmm. Wake has a good enough quarterback that they could hang for a while. And, you know, if they're able to last and they're able to put some points up and kind of stick with them, then you never know what could happen. That's one of the beautiful things about college football. Absolutely. 
So that one is going to be pretty fun to watch. I think I'd probably rather watch that game instead of Maryland-Michigan for that noon slate at least. Um, yeah, no, my biggest games I want to watch are Clemson Wake Forest and uh, oh, now I'm blanking the uh, Michigan State game. Those are those are the two uh, big Michigan, games. I have Mich- Minnesota Michigan State. Yeah, that's yeah. Uh, that's a game I've been on since uh, since the beginning of the season. I've I've had Minnesota as my team to win the Big Ten West, and I think it's going to be a good test for them. So I'm excited. Yeah, for that absolutely. One. Yeah. But I think we should move on to the game that you're probably going to be watching at noon on Saturday. <laughs> if you yeah. if you're Maybe okay with couple, moving on for a couple minutes, yeah. <laughs> So we've got Mizzou at Auburn going down to Jordan Hare on ESPN. So you want to get on a soapbox about the Auburn Tigers right now? Just kind of vent or wax philosophical about it? To fully describe the dysfunction that is the Auburn Athletics Department right now, or specifically the football program, uh, everything outside of football is killing it right now. Um, Yeah, I would really need to – we have to cut out a 10-minute segment to do that, and that's just scratching the surface, but (laughs) – you know, I mean, Brian Harson and the Boise boys have really dug themselves into a hole there, man. I mean, he, he lost in the worst way possible at home at the one job. He needed that win, man. If he beats Penn State and then, you know, at least is competitive against LSU and A&M, no one expected, expected him to beat Georgia and Bama. That's, yeah. Everyone knows it's going to be a boat race. But with the, with the talent that's you know, the talent and talent efficiency that's that's happened over the past couple of years since the COVID year, I guess is last year. Um, it's tough, man. It, it's it's really tough. I you know, the athletic department Auburn fans deserve a free therapy session, I think, for being so loyal. It I... is it is it's been a tough couple of years, man. And Brian, you know, I, I will admit I Brian Harson can walk can talk the talk. Uh, he he had me really inspired and with this whole just watch speech he did at media days and, you know, kind of giving the finger to the media and the administration. And, you know, he knows how to, I, he had me fooled. I, I, it's, <laughs> I just don't think, you know, he's, there's the defense, there's no, there's no sophistication on defense. Uh, the, the offense, the offensive game plan, you know, he's got this pedigree of, of an off of an offensive coach and quarterback developer, but the, the game plan decision against Penn state was just, atrocious yeah rotating quarterbacks every other play tj finley was actually playing better than he had all year which he's just completing some passes downfield and then they pull him uh, it was i'll let how this do you have any questions about auburn that maybe i can answer instead of me rambling on about the program no you're you're fine to ramble i mean yeah with with a quarterback it's tough when you're rotating quarterbacks like that because they do need time to get into a rhythm you know, it's you know, it's like it's like pitchers in the, in Major League Baseball or any any level of baseball. Like they they need some time to get into a rhythm. Sometimes they need less time than others, but most of the time they need a f- they need a few attempts to kind of get their feet feet wet and get settled in. Finley was getting settled in, and then like you said, they just pulled him, and that's just that's just a huge t- uh, tactical mistake by Harson there. Well, and let me let me reframe too. By no means am I saying that's why Auburn lost the game. Well, Auburn yeah. was out. Auburn was out, man. They kept, you know, even with that screwed up game plan, they kept it close in the first half, but it was an ugly keeping it close. They had to convert a couple third and like twenties, something like yeah. that. There's like a third and 17 day, you know, and, but just on a broader spectrum, you asked about the Auburn program right now. I mean, it's a mess, man. Uh, TJ Finn, uh, excuse me, Brian Harson is the nails in the coffin. Yeah, it's just a matter of when. Yeah. And it's, you know, Auburn doesn't have a history of firing its coaches midseason, never has. I think this will be a year that's probably the outlier. The hangup right now is we don't have an athletic director. We The athletic director was essentially – yeah. we we, He wasn't retained. We gave him an opportunity to avoid for uh, – avoid uh, interview for a couple jobs. And 
long story short, he's out. No athletic director, new university president, but president, but the president and the boosters have made it known they're making this hire anyways. Uh, you know, I think if Harson loses to LSU, he's if he loses the sun on, on Sunday, uh, Saturday to Mizzou, you know, the War Eagle needs to fly him back to Boise himself and not let him make it back, yeah. to, back to his office. If he loses to LSU, if he beats Missouri, is competitive against LSU, I think they let him make it to Georgia and let him wear that loss around his neck because it's going to be an absolute drubbing in Athens. Someone's going to wear that loss. Yeah, and and they're, they're that's just going to this is there's no proof there's no proof of concept with them. Yeah, the recruiting was bad before he dug himself in a hole with the boosters and the boosters tried to fire him. Um, yeah. So about yeah. that, like, you know, obviously Harson has had his struggles on the field. I don't think anybody's in denial of that. He's not recruited well. And I think that was definitely a concern with him coming in as a G five coach was whether or not he could mm-hmm. recruit on a power five level. But I mean, Bennett and I have talked about what happened this off season ad nauseum, but how, like, how is that from you as a fan? Cause we're outsiders, obviously like we are not, you know, Ben is from Georgia, obviously. So he's, you know, he has a little more perspective on that than me. Like I'm in the, I'm from Indiana. So I'm seeing this from a way outside perspective. So as an Auburn fan, like what was that like going through that for you guys? So honestly, disappointing is a simple way to put it. There were, there were high hopes for an improved season. Uh, you know, again, Harson had really, the outside, everyone on the outside, you know, the outside programs I'm saying were really like, yeah, you know, talking to my buddies. In our group chats, yeah, Brian, no one believed in Brian Harson, but he had really kind of sold the fan base that he's going to turn the thing around. And you know, when, when it was kind of believable because when you look back at last year, we're six and two with Bo Nix. Bo Nix is playing his best year by far. Scores we're against Mississippi State, he scored five consecutive touchdowns on five uh, five possessions, five touchdowns. Breaks his leg. After that, we lose every game, and, and it was kind of like okay. Harson's like, hey, my proof of concept is there. And he had really sold us on, you know, TJ now has time to develop, yada, yada. And it, he had talked a big game. And he I, he sold me. I, I, you know, I was one of the ones kind of taking up for him that I thought he was going to get it done. Um, the, uh, you know, recruiting's a problem. That's glaring. Um, so about recruiting, do you think – I mean, I, I think it's pretty obvious. Part of the problem with the recruiting is that everybody knows he's a dead man walking. And mm-hmm. – is Auburn in the situation kind of like Texas has been traditionally where the boosters just have an outrageous amount of say in how the programs run? Yeah. I mean, look, that's hard to know. That's, yeah. that's the rumors. That's the rumors. Does anyone really know? No. Look, the real, the reality of it is there's very few programs in this country that boosters don't get right. their fingers on things. I mean, yeah. one of those being Bama because he came in and said, I'm doing it my way, but he won. Yeah. But there, he he you know he signed the number one recruiting class his first year on the job even after losing to UL Monroe. Nick Saban did. You know uh, Brian Harson came in and tried to do the same thing, and then proceeded to have the first losing season since 2012 when Auburn went three and nine. Yeah. Um, you know the, the boosters meddled. Harson dug himself in a hole though. He did himself no favors. It's it's a terrible culture fit. And now I think without going on about Harson, the bigger thing is who do you bring in. You know, the, it, it's really hard to speculate about that when you haven't even fired the coach yet. It, you yeah. know, the, the popular names come up like Lane Kiffin and Dion. Well, like Dion's, if you think Harson's a bad, Dion may be an incredible coach, but if you think Harson's a bad culture fit at Auburn, let Dion walk out on the field with a boombox on his shoulder. He is not, the Auburn is way, they, they are, that's not. Doesn't seem like a huge Auburn with, fit, yeah. Not at all. Not with our good old boys running the athletic department. And, yeah, and I think, I think Dion is, pretty much locked in at Florida State. I mean, you know, Norvell, though, is not looking too bad at Florida State, so maybe he has to wait well, a little bit longer. But 
Well, you know, for the thing about Norvell is I thought about this earlier, actually, for, you know, when, when your university has to publicly endorse you, that's never a good look. And they had to do no. that from Nor Norvell going into this season, say he's our coach because the word on the street was he wasn't going to be, and it was hurting them in, in recruiting. And I guess to wrap it up about Auburn, as far as, you know, talking about who you get next, you know, people talk about like Lane Kiffin, well, you know, would he take the job? Would he not? I, I think the bigger picture of it is regardless of his personal desire, uh, you know, his personal desires to leave Ole Miss or stay there, whatever job he wants. The, the thing is, you'd have to pay him close to $10 million a year to get him to leave Ole Miss. He just got yeah. a massive raise, putting him over $7 million a year. And I don't know that – do you think Lane Kiffin is worth $10 million a year? His recruiting has not has not been great. Yes, he's a great play caller, and he's done – What? there's a lot of reasons to like Lane Kiffin, but yeah. I don't think Auburn – if you're paying someone $10 million a year, that puts you in the company of Nick Saban, Dabo, uh, Kirby Smart. That's you know that I, that's why I just don't think. It, it, I, I think that that option's off the table just for budget alone before you even get into personal, you know. Yeah, I mean, um, gonna have two buyouts to pay. You can't really can't really afford to pay no. a top dollar contract and then doesn't... pay a staff. You know, I, I would love yeah. to see someone like a Brian Hartline get a shot. Uh, I, God, know. if someone could pull that fucker away from Ohio State, I would be thrilled. I, Brian Harline would be would definitely be one of my top choices. But again, it's hard to speculate on all that when you still have a coach. That's that's a whole other segment. And it's tough too because like obviously he got promoted to passing game coordinator this offseason, but like you never seen him call plays. So like you know he can recruit wide receivers like nobody's business. Obviously he's been able to stack five star on five star for the past few years now, but you don't know what's well, gonna you know, be like as a as a head coach. All I want at Auburn is someone who can navigate the political waters. Yeah, be you know, run the program, hire good assistants, and recruit, and let the, get out of the way of the assistants, recruit. And no, anyone realistic about Auburn doesn't expect us to start competing for national championships year in and year out. But there is, there's way too the floor, the the resources available at Auburn should have a, a very sustainable floor, which we just haven't been able to achieve over the past couple of decades. And a lot yeah. of that is from lack of leadership within the athletic department and meddling. But there's no reason, you know. I think Auburn fans just want to get to a point where the floor is eight to nine wins a year, and an occasional championship run. No one expects us to be Alabama or Georgia unless one of them gets a death penalty. That's just not going to happen, and right. that's not our history. But you know, we just uh, the Auburn fan base, you know, a sustainable competence. We want consistency. Yeah, that's, that's all it is. Not this lightning in the lightning in the bottle is great, but the when the floor is so low, it's almost not worth it. Yeah, I mean, lightning in the bottle has worked out for Auburn in the past. So, uh, yeah. but yeah, like you, you want a higher floor. Like that's the thing. If you have a higher floor, then catching lightning in a bottle becomes a lot easier. You get more attempts to take your shots, and then eventually, with the amount of, of attempts that you get, you're going to end up hitting one of those eventually. But mm -hmm. um, circling back to Saturday, you think Auburn's going to win this one? I wouldn't touch it if my life depended on it. <laughs> uh, TJ Finley uh, was pulled out of the game because he's severely damaged his rotator cuff and he hurt it even worse enough. So he's we're Robbie Ashford starting and we have a true freshman who honestly may have the most be the best passer on the roster, but he's yet to take a step in live action and our O line is horrid. Yeah. And putting a true freshman behind a behind a, a horrid O line is just I hope to God he doesn't have to see the field this year. I just hope for his sake and his career and his development. That's because he's got potential. Didn't uh, uh didn't Zach Calzano transfer to Auburn? Yeah, he did, but he just actually, interesting enough, as of today, uh, applied for his medical red shirt. Uh, he's having oh, did he really? Surgery. He's having another surgery on his non-throwing arm. And, I, the, you know, there's been rumors that he was hurt. That's why he hasn't been, you know, he re-injured it. He never healed up. Yeah. And he's that's why he hasn't been playing. But a lot of it is 
is because I don't I think he wants to save his year of eligibility. I mean, in, yeah, in my I would personal too. opinion, from yeah, he he's just like I'm not playing in this mess with this you know rotating circus of quarterbacks and and he's just at this point I think he wants to save his year of eligibility in the case that he may be jumping ship at, yeah. after this year. That makes sense. Yeah, I, I think Auburn being at home again. I mean, Auburn's bad, but like Mizzou is like bad, bad. They're terrible. They yeah. are terrible. On, on paper, Auburn should win it if you're looking at talent. But right. I mean, man, Auburn has Auburn has talent and some positions at starting, but there's zero depth. We're not coached well on defense. We're not. If you just go back, it's it's ugly football right now, man. It's yeah. just yeah. That's why I wouldn't trust it if my life depended. Touch it if my life depended on it. Yeah, I don't blame you. I I would take Auburn for. One. Money line, I hope, not spread. Yeah, I'm not touching the spread on that one. (laughs) Uh, Next up, we've got Baylor and Iowa State. Iowa State, uh, they had a thrilling win over Iowa in Mm -hmm. that old old hate fest. Nice, uh, what was that, 10-7 win? Some shit like that. God, Iowa Iowa football fucking sucks to watch. They have such a good... Iowa Iowa State, like that... That's a different story. That's just whenever I see that word Iowa, I just get reminded of the Hawkeyes and that awful, awful offense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, Baylor, they lost a good BYU team. Well, what is perceived to be I a, thought it was BYU a good BYU team. team. Yeah. Um, you know, Iowa State's quarterback is playing out of his mind right now. He's at 74% completion and 745 yards. Yeah. Going into this week. That's a pretty damn good clip right there. It definitely um, is. So you know, I, I don't know, I don't know enough to make an edu- about either team to make an educated guess as far as who would win that game. Yeah, um, but I I had thought Baylor was going to be a pretty good team, and then BYU just got absolutely mud stomped by Oregon, and I mm-hmm. that, not only did that break my heart as a BYU supporter for this season, but I definitely uh, definitely had to rethink what I thought about Baylor there because I mean it was it was a good game against uh, BYU that they lost, but. Yeah, that's a tough. I think I would probably give the edge t- to the Cyclones being at home. Um, you know, just a different atmosphere for Baylor to come in. It's, it's I think it's going to be a close game, but I, I think if I had to pick one, I would probably take Iowa State there, just based on quarterback play there. Yeah, Iowa State is who I'd pick too, based on quarterback play. Yeah. So we got a couple more. Uh, we got yeah two more noon slate games here we've got a texas battle between the horn frogs at tcu and the pony express of southern methodist uh man southern methodist i is this the game where they have those sweet dallas uniforms coming out i can't remember but i remember they released those uniforms look here but it should be a pretty good game honestly tcu tcu and smu are both decently talented team. So I think it's going to end up being a relatively close game. Haven't looked at the, don't remember what the spread is off the top of my head, but I feel like that, that game has the potential to be a pretty close one. I, I don't know what the spread is either, but SMU's offense is moving at a different level right now, man. I mean, they've got 300 yard receivers. Tanner Mordecai's already got a thousand yards and 10 touchdowns. Everything that uh, SMU has just knocked that in half for TCU's offense right now. They are not – they have one running back that's barely – one rusher, period, that's yeah. barely over 100 yards, while TCU has 300-yard rushers. And then a 1,000-yard passer and a five, almost 500-yard receiver, and we're on week four. That's that's a game that you may want to take the over in. I'm not too yeah. sure about deficient, defensive efficiency for those teams, but, I mean, that's some pretty eye-popping numbers right there, no matter what level of competition you're at. Yeah, I feel I feel pretty good about uh, taking the over on that one at the very least. 
Do you do you know what this what the spread is or excuse me spread uh, the over under is? <clears throat> yeah, let me look, look it up real quick. It looks like sixty nine points is uh, what it was at. Nice as of yeah, <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, so that's pretty high. That's a pretty high line, honestly. I it always just gets dicey once you get up to like seventy or like the high sixties for your over unders there. That's that's <laughs> where you start to like. You gotta really think about what you're feeling for that for picking. That. You know, I was talking. I was talking to another one of our buddies earlier this week. We've been kind of betting together this year, and he even, you know, this is kind of the point where Vegas starts to get a little dialed in. They kind of, mm-hmm. you know, it's they're getting a little more dialed in on the teams, and a lot of these lines feel like trap lines this week. I mean, even that Michigan minus seventeen against uh, Maryland that is fishy to me as well you know yeah. that's the more I think about it, the more I kind of come off the, my lock pick on that. But get a lot of rat lines. Um, yeah, it's it's. This is one of those weeks where maybe good to just kind of dial the betting back, in my opinion, and yep. just kind of see what happens, and then the lines will readjust, and then you can kind of feel the pace as far as where where things are going. Yeah, this might be a hit the promos weekend. Absolutely, maybe put ten bucks down on a stupid parlay and try to win a thousand dollars. Oh yeah, got to go big sometimes. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, I would. Man, I honestly can't get a good read on either of these two teams just with the way that they've been playing lately, but. I mean, I feel like if I had to take one, I would probably take TCU. Really? I mean, it, it's just, just it's tough. The, just based on the bigger program or based on? I think based on the bigger program. And man, it, it's tough, though, because I, I feel like this one could end up being a really close game. And I don't know which one I feel more comfortable. I mean, it is at, uh, it is at SMU, but... Besides, they, like they played pretty well against Colorado TCU did, and but the other team that they played was Tarleton State. Like you can't. Well, really, that's what you can't yeah, clean I, I anything from a game that, like that. I almost argued that SMU's played better teams. Yeah, I would agree. And that's and you know and SMU, if I'm not mistaken, they've kind of been another one of those up and coming programs where coaches are using that as a stepping. Because I think Rhett Lashley was there, and now he's at Miami, or no, he was at Miami, now he's head coach at. Or no, I'm getting that backwards. Excuse me, but I know Rhett Lashley was there, and he's now taking a bigger job, and I, which means you know if the coaches are getting hired to other places, that means the program's improving too. Yeah, um, you typically, I don't know. I, again, that's one of those things where I'm not going to sit here and act like I know enough about either team to make a diehard pick. But based on the offensive efficiency alone, I mean SMU's those are ridiculous numbers. Yeah, and I mean, and they're one that too. Like they played North Texas and Lamar. Like neither one of and Maryland. I guess they. The, which they That's lost the, Mar- the Maryland is, is where I kind of was like, all right, just strengthen this Maryland didn't strengthen schedule to SMU. Yeah. And that's, that's what they lost. That's Lamar. first good team. Like they played North Texas and Lamar before they played Maryland. And then the one good team that they played, they lost. Maryland though, wasn't it? It was a pretty uh, good, uh, pretty good or close score. Excuse me. Wasn't it was se- seven points. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's respectable. against yeah. a Maryland team that's. And they were, they were at Maryland. So, I mean, yeah. man, now you got me thinking. Yeah, screw it. I'll flip. I'll, flip. I'll, I'll pick Southern, <laughs> Southern Methodist on this one. Uh, and then the last one we've got is an undefeated matchup, not in basketball, but in football. We have 3-0 and Duke taking on 3-0 and Kansas in Lawrence on FS. Would you, going into the season, have predicted at all that both of the – one of these teams, let alone both of them, would have been 3-0 and going into this? Oh, not, a, not at all. <laughs> no. Oh man, Kansas! I yeah, I mean, it's just insane what Lance Leipold has done to that program. 
Like obviously they've been they've beat Texas a couple times recently. They took OU down to the wire last year. Like I don't know if you watched any of that game at all. Uh, I can't. Remember. I feel like mm-hmm. that was an early yeah. game, but like they they were a couple freak plays away from potentially winning that game. And he, he's just done a really good job of building that program up. And then uh, you know Notre Dame Notre Dame coaching tree member Mike Elko has done a pretty good job yeah. at Duke so far in his first year. Uh, I know I picked Duke. Uh, I picked the under on their win total, and I've already busted on that one. So uh, they're they're both b- overplaying their expectations. I still think I've got Kansas in this one, though. Um, yeah, I mean that Kansas loss to Tulane. I think historically you'd say it's ugly. I think Tulane may be a little underrated this year. Um, I mean, based on the fact that Kansas State can't throw the ball at all, I mean to save their life, I think I'm. I may, oh, this is I, I may this is Kansas, not Kansas State. This is the Jayhawks. Why did I have? Oh, that's my. That's okay. You know what? Then I messed up my notes on that one. I put up <laughs> when I was looking up teams earlier. Oh, my bad. All right, so yeah, I'll refer to you on that one. As you said, I lost to Tulane. I was like, wait a minute, they're both three and zero. I thought. <laughs> okay, yeah, it's Duke. That's compl- I just saw Kansas and was thinking Kansas State. Yeah, that's. Uh, that's I mean, my mean, to be fair, that is the one that you would think would be three and zero going exactly. <laughs> into week yeah, four. Exactly. So, yeah, I don't know. I think I just think. I got to give it to Leipold just he has a little bit more experience head coaching and it's at Lawrence. Like I, I I think they're both way overperforming their expectations this year so far. I don't know how long it's going to last now that they're going to be getting into conference play after this. But for the time being, like I, I think game day should have gone here. That would have been hilarious for, for a national television program to go to Duke, Kansas for football. Like that would have been great. Um, yeah. <laughs> I get why they went to Florida, Tennessee. I, I get it, but man, yeah, that would have been, yeah. that, that been fun. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I would take Kansas, just kind of long and short of it. I think they've had okay. more impressive wins thus far, and they've been able to put up a lot of points. And, you know, Duke, I just don't know if they're going to be able to keep up, honestly. But that is it for the so, noon slates. What's up? No, no, absolutely. I was going that way too. I was going to say Indiana, Cincinnati. Yeah, Indiana, Cincinnati. Uh, Hoosiers also overperforming expectations so far. I would say um, you could argue that they should be, or they are undefeated. They sh- should probably have one loss based on that Illinois, where the uh, refs might have missed that field goal call. I don't know if you saw yeah. that, but seems that seems to be a miss on their part. So yeah, um, <laughs> Indiana getting a little help so far this season, but. They've looked better than what I think a lot of people thought they would. Uh, still have a lot of questions, obviously. Um, and going to a Cincinnati team that held pretty strong against Arkansas for most of the game before just kind of eventually falling off there. But Cincinnati, it's at Cincinnati, and six, Cincinnati is 16.5-point favorites. Yeah. I I don't think they're going to have any problem winning that game. I don't know if they're going to cover that. It's a pretty big spread for, for what those two teams' talent levels are. I agree. Uh, I mean, I... I agree wholeheartedly with everything you said. Uh, I think it's definitely a lock that Cincinnati wins the game. Yeah. Um, spread is, yeah. That's, I would almost touch the spread, man. I'll be honest with you. I mean, putting up 24, well, Arkansas's defense is pretty garbage, to be honest. Uh, so, yeah, I think that's probably a money a money line win for me on Cincinnati. Yeah, I would agree. The, the spread I, just I, doesn't feel yeah. great there. No, no, it doesn't. And I, in full transparency, I didn't do that deep of a dive because when I saw the Indiana versus Cincinnati matchup, I was like, okay, well, 
Cincinnati just went to the playoffs. Yeah, Cincinnati just went to the playoffs. That, Indiana just barely beat Western Kentucky this past week without Bailey Zappi. So I'm I'm feeling okay yeah. with taking Cincinnati there. Uh, next up is Minnesota at Michigan State. Um, you know, as of today, Michigan State was plus three with 64% of the betting public taking Michigan State money line. Uh, some Michigan State fans might be a little discouraged by that just because – they feel like whenever the public's on their side, then that's when they kind of shit down both legs there. Um, I think it's going to be a good game. I'm honestly really excited for this one. Uh, I think Minnesota returned a lot of their offensive weapons uh, as re- at receiving pass catchers. And Michigan State's def- pass defense has not looked improved from last year. If anything, it might be worse. Yeah, I think I'd agree with that. Uh, and Minnesota had – has been outright dominant in their wins this season too, yeah. and they're they're really ba- they're really balanced on offense. Mm-hmm. Um, they 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 can do. That's going to be tough, man. Yeah, and I agree with you on the you know typical you know Vegas is in business for a reason, yeah. and it's typically because public bet on the wrong side of the bet. So yeah, that that is kind of MSU plus three. I mean, hell, anything can happen. I'm not going to say they're going to lose just because of that, but you know, for the sake of uh, I- I'm pulling for Michigan State here in this one. Got got to represent for Bennett. Yeah, that's um, it's definitely a must-win for Michigan State, um, especially after coming off of a pretty pretty convincing loss to Washington last week. Which yeah, it's tough going to Washington. And, you know, Michael Penix is slinging it out there for the Huskies. Honestly, like he he is doing very well. But um, yeah, Michigan State's got to find a way to rebound there. That being said, I kind of have to ride with my take in that I think Minnesota is going to win the West. I. I don't think Michigan State's going to win this one, so I, I'm pulling for the Gophers on this. Well, and I saw I saw an interesting note too because I was started looking at the uh, defensive statistics for Minnesota, and they've only forced I think it was two turnovers. Yeah, so I think they have one interception on the season, and uh, they maybe one fumble recovery. And Michigan State's been I think their quarterback has a couple interceptions. Don't um, I was looking at it a little bit earlier, but. Uh, if Michigan State plays clean football, I think they've got a chance to win it. Yeah, their pass defense is absolutely—it's their pass defense is absolutely a concern. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, the PJ the PJ Fleck hype train—I feel like it's cooled off a little bit. They're still a damn good team. They're still coached well. Uh, you know, just for our boy Eric, I'm going to go Michigan State. But they, <laughs> I mean, they got to play—they've got to play clean football if they're going to be, you know. Uh, yeah, that defense scares me, uh, quite frankly. But I'm going Michigan State. Yeah, and I know, I know Michigan State fans were hoping to build off of what they did last year. And I don't think that's necessarily out of the question either. But Washington and then Minnesota this week are two of those games that you kind of had to win if you wanted to improve upon before you got to your division schedule. Which obviously, the Big Ten East is just an absolute mess of a division to play yeah. in. Like yeah. most of the best teams in the conference are playing there. I would argue all the best teams. I just, I have no faith in Iowa or Wisconsin at this point, but uh, I'm going to go Minnesota. I uh, still, I got to ride with what my, my thoughts have always been this season. No, uh, I respect it. Yep. Next up, we're going to one. I don't particularly want to talk about Notre Dame is going <laughs> to Chapel Hill to play North Carolina at three 30 on ABC. And. Oh, What's your gut, man? All right, give me. All don't right, feel great. You, you gave me a soapbox. Give me. Right, here's your soapbox. Stand on it, King. Let's hear what you got to say. Yeah, it's it's been tough. Obviously, going into week one, there was a lot of optimism about what the offense was going to be. 
especially with Tyler Buckner finally taking over the reins. Obviously, we heard all the positive stuff coming out in training camp. He's a dual threat quarterback, and he doesn't have he has a decent game against Ohio State. Stats don't really tell it, but he was really efficient in the first half, and then just kind of fell apart in the second half. And I think there was good reason to take some positives away from that, even though it wasn't ended up being a double digit loss. Um, I think they played a lot closer than what people anticipated. Obviously, with a 17-and-a-half-point spread, they covered that pretty comfortably. But uh, then they lost to Marshall. Um, that kind of rocked, every, rocked everybody, Sheesh. I think. Yeah. And Marshall's not necessarily a bad football team. Uh, Fun Belt, in general, had a pretty good weekend that weekend. But Yes, they did. It's That's one that you can't lose if you're Notre Dame, uh, which a lot of reasons for it. I mean – Marcus Freeman is a first-year head coach, obviously, and there is going to there are going to be pitfalls like that, which Notre Dame fans just kind of need to anticipate. Um, it sucks because the team on paper had the talent to not have that happen, but I think a lot of the problem has been on the offensive side of the ball with some of the play calling. And you know, Tommy Reese, he he got looks from like the Rams interviewed him to take over as offensive coordinator once O'Connell left for Minnesota. He runs a pro style offense, but pro style offense might not work. Honestly, uh, they might need to be able to throw the ball because the offensive line hasn't been good, which is typically like that is Notre Dame's thing is being good in the trenches. Like they have good offensive line and they have good tight ends. That's kind of what Notre Dame's always been about, and the offensive line just has not performed. So you, you asked me if you if you had to sum up Notre Dame season this point as a Notre Dame fan, disappointing. How so would you far. sum it? Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> I'm I am now concerned about that eight and a half point or eight and a half win projection at the start of the season. I felt like that was going to be pretty comfortably hit, uh, even taking into account the Ohio State loss. But now I'm pretty worried about the good teams that we have yet to face. And circling back to North Carolina. If this is going to get into a shootout, which it very well may because Drake May is the real deal so far for the Tar Heels, I don't know if Notre Dame is going to be able to keep up, honestly. They they ended up pulling it together a little bit against Cal last week, but it's Cal. Like, there's just – I have no idea what's going to happen this game. The The line keeps on fluctuating wildly between, Notre, between Carolina by three, Notre Dame by two. Like, it just keeps bouncing all over the place in there. Yeah, you know – I can confidently tell you, you know, I'm sincerely disappointed for Notre Dame this this year as well. I, I was, I was really pulling for y'all after the way Brian Kelly took that backdoor exit out out from the job, and I, I just yeah. that was so slimy. I, I that's a whole another conversation that you, I'll let you go on. That's again, that's your soapbox, but that's I, I was pulling for y'all too, and it's tough to see the guy who you know y'all's head coach now is. I mean, hell, man, he makes me want to run through a brick wall. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm not even he, he's awesome, and it's. And on, on the other side of that, just to relate to you, don't feel too bad. I took, I hammered the Auburn over six wins uh, yeah. going into the preseason. Now I don't know if there's four wins on the schedule. Yeah, so. it's tough. And like on the Brian Kelly yeah. thing, like I think the I the thing that is frustrating about that is that he left while they still technically had a shot to get in the playoff. Like obviously, he probably knew that it wasn't going to happen. And I think Notre Dame fans also knew that it wasn't going to happen, but. God damn, at least wait like two days until the final projections come out before you do that to us. Man, I heard the story. I forget, forgive me, I forget the uh, assistant that was talking about it. I want to say it was the running, regardless, one of y'all's assistants was 
in home at a recruit's house, right? Uh, recruiting, uh, walks out on a recruiting trip, walks out the door, and then gets the headline that Brian Kelly's taking the job to LSU, and he had to tuck his tail and turn around in there and basically save face and just, you know, probably say I wasn't lying to you. You know, we had no idea about it, and and that's the fact that he put his. If that story is true, the fact that he put his coaches in that position where there was no warning, it was, yeah. you know, these guys, you've been there a long time. These guys have been with you a long time. I understand if you're in the administration or not seeing eye to eye, that is perfect. You know, people make better business decisions for themselves on both sides all the time. I'm all for that. But to leave, I mean, you're dealing with kids that you have recruited and, and promised parents that you're going to be a father figure to while they're hundreds of miles away at your school. Yeah. And that, like, that just, at, at some point, if you were going to leave, which I think Kelly had a foot out the door for a long time. Like, I don't think he was ever, you know, Mr. Notre Dame, like Freeman seems to be, which I think is a difference. And I think that's part of the reason why fans are still feeling okay about Freeman overall. Um, but what Kelly didn't do was lose games. He should have lost for the most part. Like, especially, especially like over the past five years, like he, he would not have lost the Marshall game. He may have struggled against Cal. Don't know, but he typically did not struggle against those kind of teams. So it, it does suck a little bit because it's a, it's a game that Kelly probably wouldn't have lost, but I think long-term Freeman, if he can figure out the things that he needs to figure out as a head coach, which remains to be seen, obviously. But if he can figure that stuff out, I think we're going to be just fine. It's just it, it is hard right now. But circling back to North Carolina, um, if there's a team that has a worse defense than Michigan State, it's probably North Carolina. Um, I don't think they could stop a fucking high school team at this point. Uh, and, and as much fun as it's made their games, uh, if a team has a potent offense, then they're going to be able to take advantage of that. And you know, Notre Dame did end up getting their offense figured out in the second half of the Cal game. Remains to be seen if they can kind of keep that momentum going a little bit, but um, I, I'm not touching this one with a 10 foot pole, kind of like you are with Bama. Like I just, I refuse to touch it. Um, so back to Freeman, how how long do you think Notre Dame gives them? Uh, it depends on the results of this season. Honestly, I think uh, if if we go bowling this year, I think he's completely safe. If we end up going like you know two and ten or some shit like that, I think he's definitely gone. But I would like to think if he could, I, and I probably should have started the question with this. I should have said, if Brian uh, if Brian Kelly was still there, are you a playoff team this year? And how long do you think they give Freeman to maintain that? Could Gary, you know, let's say they weren't going to be a playoff team regardless, but Freeman's recruiting his ass off. Yeah. You know, the first year there's some growing pains. I mean, it, y'all had such a huge cult. The, the way that y'all's program, you know, that, that whole thing transpires. I was just speaking on it in a minute, uh, a minute ago. That, to me, almost kind of gives you an excusable first year. As long as, yeah, as long as you're recruiting well and you're, and you're showing some improvement, it's not obviously an ideal start. And, and you can't, you know, I have a hard time seeing them finish them unless it is a really low win seat total, uh, win yeah. total season for them, like you're speaking of. I think that for, for almost for morale, I don't know. Notre Dame's proud though, and they've gotten the money to go out and get who they want. That's and that's a, a damn good job. So they definitely do, know, and yeah. especially if some of these like TV deals and shit happen, like they're going to have even more money. But I think yeah. the most likely thing is that there's going to be changes at either position coaches or coordinators. If things don't get figured out, like if Tommy Reese doesn't figure out what the hell's going on with the offense, like he is going to be gone. Um, if Harry, he can't figure out what the hell's going on with the offensive line, which this is really um, atypical of a Harry, he stand coached offensive line, then he's going to be gone. 
So and are these are these the same Brian Kelly assistants that just stay on? Uh, Reese was Harry Heastan. He is bumped around a lot. He hasn't been the offensive line coach at Notre Dame for quite a few years. He actually he went to the Bears, and then after he was let go by the Bears, he's been taking time off, and so he just uh-huh. came back. So, but he he's been around Notre Dame for a long time. Um, but I mean, most of the staff is honestly new now. Um, there was only one coach that followed him, Brian Kelly, to LSU, but other coaches got jobs elsewhere. Like uh, our old running backs coach got the offensive coordinator job at Louisville. Uh, okay. Tight ends coach got a coordinator job elsewhere. You know, stuff like that happened. So it's it's still okay. a relatively new staff, but I think if they do keep up the recruiting, I think he's the long the better the recruiting is, the longer the leash he gets. I think. I think you know recruiting is one of those things where you can really, you can really save your job because even if the oh, yeah. concept's not there yet, it's it's okay. What are we building for to, in the future? Yeah, you, um, can, you can buy time if you're a hell of a recruiter. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So that being said, not touching this one with a ten foot pole. I would like to think Notre Dame wins this one, but I say that with like fifty percent confidence. <laughs> so well, I'm pulling for you, man. I appreciate that. Uh, moving on, we've got Texas at Texas Tech in a Big Twelve battle uh texas has looked a lot better than i thought they would and that's another one yeah. where crow. like that defense has done a 180 from what they were last year i mean props to sark that's all yeah. i gotta say props to sark that uh, he he's got those boys prepared and i did not expect that Mm-mm. i mean i i know he's a good coach it seem like i didn't but this early for them yeah. to look as competitive as they are that's, the turnaround that's... to be as quick as it is yeah i thought they would have yeah. to wait until they got arch in and got a few more of those guys in Get some get some recruits going. And Texas, you know, they're going to be one of the schools that comes. Texas will be back yeah. with, uh, with the NIL era because they've got they got money. Them have yeah, more than most. Well, and shit, like Ewers looked really good before he got hurt. Yeah, man, he against was Alabama, he was dicing yeah. Alabama up. I don't think yeah. they lose that game if Ewers stays healthy and in that whole game. Honestly, yeah, that was I was shocked at that one. I thought Bama was. I thought that was going to be a firing squad. Yeah, no, I was talking to. Uh, to my Bama friend, and he said the exact same thing you just did. If Ewers is in, they win that game. If he doesn't yeah. get hurt, it's it's nuts. Uh, so I I don't think they're gonna have any problems with Texas Tech, honestly. No, and I'm trying to find the line now. I apologize for not finding that before. I, I oh, without fine. logging into my book, I can't. Yeah, it's, I don't know what the spread is, but if you're doing money line, Texas, yeah, all day. I would agree. Uh, spread is Texas by seven. As of right oh, now. Oh, wow. Only on, seven? On win bet, yeah. And I think part of that is because it's at Texas Tech. Is Texas Tech putting up a lot of points this year? Uh, Texas Tech has been doing pretty well. They, uh, I'm pretty sure they beat the shit out of Houston. This can be something we uh, edit out. No. Yeah, so they put up 63 on Murray State. Um, they did lose to NC State this past week, twenty-seven to fourteen. So once they finally played a defense with a pulse, they uh, they were not able to put those. Dude, Texas Tech has three passers that have the starters. Two of them have almost two hundred yards, and one of them has seven hundred. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, they've got two backups that have gone in there and scored. Yeah, um, so they you had Texas. So it looks like they they had two guys in. So. They were able to put up a lot of yards, but um, Donovan Smith put a through two picks, and then Baron Morton threw one. So I mean, I think Texas is going to win this one pretty comfortably, and with a spread of only seven, like I feel very good about taking Texas on that one. It's trap week, man. I, it it's is. It is, but I'm just not seeing where Texas Tech is going to get those seven points. Yeah, me either. I, I can. I agree with you. Yeah. It is. It, it's seven. It, but seven just almost seems too easy. Yeah. It just, 
Yeah. Completely agree there. So, uh, moving on, we've got our game day game. Florida at Tennessee, which is going to be on CBS at 3.30. One of the last hurrahs for the SEC before the song moves up north. Um, mm-hmm. Tennessee's looking very good this year. Josh Josh Heupel has got his team playing very good football. Yeah. In Florida, they pulled off a really good, a really solid win against a Utah team that a lot of people thought were going to go to the playoff. Uh, but then they have not performed. Like Anthony Richardson in particular has stuck since that game. 0-4, man. 0-4 touchdown to interceptions. That's absolutely horrendous. Bad. 53% so, completion percentage. Yeah, the Heisman hype is definitely gone with him. Um, yeah. I, I never understood it in the first place, personally. Yeah. But. It's one of those things, if you're a Florida quarterback and you've got, got an arm, you're probably going to be considered. Uh, but. I mean, it's just the, it's just the hype train that follows a new coach. Oh, yeah. And it always else. And he, he, he made a few plays in Dan Mullen's offense, and that's – yeah, that's uh, that's that's a tough look, man. Fifty three percent completion percentage, four picks. Not not the kind of performance that you want to see there from Anthony Richardson. Uh, on the nope. other hand, Hennon Hooker is balling for Tennessee right now. That may be an understatement. Yeah, he is dicing them up. Yeah, they've scored. Uh, they beat Ball State. I want to say by like forty points or something like that. I'm honestly surprised that Hooker doesn't have more than six touchdowns, being completely honest. I figured he would have more than six. Yeah, I mean, you said which? what was the team you just mentioned? The last Ball State, one? yeah. It was 59-10 they beat Ball State. 59-10. They beat I mean, Pitt. They that Pitt game was awesome, by the way. I don't know if you yeah, watched that no. Pitt game, but that was incredible. And Pitt's a good team, too. They are. That's, they beat Akron, Akron 63-6. to six. Like, they are just putting points up at left and right. Um, yeah. But – Coming in, Flor- coming in Florida, uh, the number 20-ranked team, I honestly think they're probably just overrated. I don't think they're that good yet. Um, Tennessee does seem to be the real deal, and I think it's going to be between them and Kentucky to figure out who's going to be second in the SEC East this year. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately, it is still going to be Georgia's division for the foreseeable future, but if Tennessee is sure, – if, if Tennessee's able to wield this NIL money like they have been, like they're going to be up there pretty damn quick. I think so, um, as long as that offense allows defense to play some defense. I mean, that, that offense scores. Your offense scoring that fast, your defense, uh, yeah. I mean, Air raid. <laughs> yeah, it, that, that's hard. that makes it hard on your defense. But we've seen people win championships like that, or at least make it there. Um, yeah, I, I definitely – I mean, I think Tennessee wins. Uh, I, by what margin, I don't – Yeah, I mean, they're, they're ten and a half point favorites. So, it's definitely – Everybody is pretty much agreeing that. I mean, do you win. think Florida's defense is worse than Pitts? That's my question. I think their pass rush is worse than Pitts. I think Pitts', Pitt's pass rush might be one of the best in the country, honestly. <clears throat> and if they can't get home on Hinn and Hooker, and they let him back there and cook, like, yeah, that's, that's going to be tough. And you know, tennis or Florida has had some injuries at receiver that they're still trying to struggle through and everything, which might be part of the reason that Richardson is gone. 0-4 in his touchdown-to-pick ratio. Well, yeah, and here's the thing for me, too. Tennessee's defense, uh, who knows if they actually have a pulse or not. They haven't outside of Pitt. Pitt was their first-year test, and they put up 27 points. Yeah. Um, you know, at Pitt has better offense than Florida. I, I don't know that Florida finds 27 points. But, yeah, I don't know, man. That's I mean, Tennessee wins. Spread, I don't know that I'll touch that. Yeah, that's chicken. I'm not touching a lot of spreads this week just because I'm just – 
I mean, I like you said, Vegas, Vegas is starting to hone in, so these over-unders yeah. are starting to get a little tougher. Yeah, um, yeah and that's, that is uh, 62.5 is the line there. Um, I, I tend to agree with you. I don't think it's going to get up there. 62.5? Yeah. I'm hitting under. Yeah, I would hit the under on, on that, that as well. That's, that's, I don't think Florida scores that much. I think that I, I mean, yeah, just based on what I've seen, I don't think Florida scores that much. And I, you know, if Pitt held Tennessee to 34, I would think Florida can probably do the same. Yeah, I so. would agree with that. So, yep, Tennessee's probably going to win this one pretty comfortably. So, go Vols. Uh, excited to see what they can do to potentially sneak up to being a fringe playoff team if they can hold their own against Georgia and beat Kentucky. Like, I think the door's open for them to potentially be that fourth team in. Yeah. And that's in that scenario, yeah. I, I just don't know that anyone's touching Georgia this year. Tennessee, the way they score, I honestly, my gut, my just pure gut reaction says they probably have a better chance to knock off Georgia just for the fact that they can score points they as got good the, as anybody in the country. They got the quarterback and they got the weapons to do it. Um, yeah, and that's and if you're going to attack Georgia, it's through the it's through the air. You're not going to run. You're not going to run the ball on them. Yep. Um, and even that, it's not like it's not like there's Georgia secondary is weak. But no, exactly. But yeah, no, yeah. Tennessee. I, yeah, Tennessee's going to win that pretty comfortably. I'd take them to cover that ten and a half point spread just because I don't think Florida is particularly good. So I, I would, I would take that one pretty comfortably. Uh, moving on, we've got Oregon at Wazoo. Uh, the Cougs also playing pretty well so far. Uh, Cam Ward balling out up in Wazoo. The transfer who followed his offensive coordinator up there. Uh, they just put – they only put 17 up on Wisconsin. Wisconsin's supposed to have a very good defense, though, so uh, remains to be seen what they're able to do there. And Oregon coming off, like we talked about earlier, just a whooping of BYU, who a lot of people, myself included, thought was a Cinderella shot to make the playoff this year. Just, you know, they had the, they had the matchups on their schedule to do it. They just had to win them. They did not yeah. win this one. Um so, I mean, looking ahead, Oregon's defense, I don't know. See, I think it's just Georgia was just that good, is just that good. It was fair to drop Oregon out of the top 25 after that week one because, I mean, let's face it, you lost 49 to three on national television. But I think they're a better team than that. And I think they're, I just don't know who I would pick to win this one, honestly, though, because Washington State has played pretty competent football, at least on the offensive side of the ball. And I don't know Man, if I or, or Oregon until proven otherwise, in my opinion. I think they're still a pretty talented team. The defense, admittedly, is not quite as good as I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Again, that was kind of the sample size is tough with that thing against Georgia. And again, yeah, I mean, one, that the style of offense Oregon runs is not working the SEC. Kenny Dillingham is a Gus Malzahn guy. He was brought up under Gus. It's the Gus Bus playbook almost to a T with maybe a slightly a slightly more inter- advanced intermediate passing scheme, but it's, it doesn't work in the SEC. It, they, you know, they're tr- not really, it's kind of a sorry excuse, but you know, they're traveling across the country. It's a new coach. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, it, it, Georgia's on a different level than almost anybody. Bama's a close second, but Georgia's on a different talent level right now. They are. And it's a new coach, new schemes, new quarterback, new, it, it their Oregon was set up for failure and they failed. Yeah. A lot worse than most people thought. I took him to cover. I think the spread was 17 yeah. on that. And I took him to cover. But, you know, it, it that's – I think Oregon. I think they're the better team overall. I, I don't know much about Washington State's quarterback. Um, let me look here. His stats don't suck. Okay. Yeah, I mean, he, he's got 
over 700 yards passing at a 65% clip. He can sling solid. it. Yeah, that's solid. Um, yeah, I mean, I think Oregon, until proven otherwise. I, I think Oregon think does Chris, have the better team. I would agree with yeah, you. Yeah, the think way they, Crystal Ball's recruited, you know, I, 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 the talent is, on, is definitely on paper superior to what Washington State has. I would agree with that. Um, I would probably take Oregon as well. Um, it is interesting, though, because the Pac-12 North – I don't think a lot of people thought it was going to be as competitive as it's looking like it might be, but you've got Washington playing really competent football with Penix slinging it. You've got Oregon bouncing back from that Georgia loss. You've got Washington State playing competent offense. And then you've got Oregon State, who is being a lot scrappier than people thought it was going to be. Yeah. So this one is definitely going to have uh, implications for the Pac-12 title game, I think. Uh, whoever wins this one is going to come out looking probably like the favorite to win. Um, yeah. If Washington State can beat Oregon, I feel like there's no reason why they shouldn't be considered because I think Oregon was considered the odds-on favorite to win the division going into the season. Um, That's another game I'll be excited to watch. And obviously, there's a little bit of Bonex Homer in me there. Uh, I'm not <laughs> saying that's why that's why they'll win because by you know I just I'm pulling for the kid because not because I think he's a great quarterback because he's a good kid and he got he got dealt a tough time at Auburn. Man, he had he had zero. He took the brunt for Auburn's offensive deficiencies, yeah. and he had zero, zero help around him as well. He stayed at Auburn. He picked Auburn out of high school almost at, to a detriment of his career, but just because he loved Auburn. And I mean, I, it was almost kid. predestined that he did too, just with his dad. Yeah, did, it, yeah. He, he was a he was a good kid, and you know, I think he would probably start at a lot more schools than people think he would. His turnovers have never really. He's had a couple bad games here and there, but. Again, he played in a terrible scheme. Yeah, his first couple of years, the offensive. Yeah, it, this isn't a Bo, a Bo Nick soapbox, but it's you know I'm pulling for the kid. I think he's uh, you know I think he's a good kid and deserves the best. Yeah, and I think that I think that uh, Georgia game to start the year off definitely reinforced some of those negative thoughts about Bo Nix. But again, I think well, Georgia's just that fucking good. Well, look at Auburn and how again Auburn was six and two under Bo. The yeah. only losses were against Georgia and. I am blanking on the other one right now, but Georgia game, he still had 270 yards passing, and they had seven drops yeah. against Georgia, and he still put up 270 yards passing against him. Like the kid, you know, he's he's had his he's had his lows are low, man. Don't get me wrong. I'm not sitting here telling you he's a – I don't think he's an NFL quarterback. He hasn't proven it yet anyways. But I just think it was – he was treated unfair on the fan base, and he was blamed for a lot of things that were not – that were out of his control. Um, and that was – so I'm pulling for him. I hope he redeems himself. Yeah, I would agree with that. I will at Rucker. Yeah, so the night games, uh, this one is sicko. This one is for the sickos out there. Iowa at Rutgers at 7 p.m. on FS1, an over under of 34. And I am going to hit the under on Iowa until they give me a reason not to. Man, it's almost one of those things with betting. It's, you know, on the really low loads, you take the under. And on the really high highs, it's. You roll the dice and just take the over. I mean, it's um, thirty-four. If it's that, if they expect thirty-four points, it's almost like yeah, you, you take the under on that. Just, I'll just almost as a betting rule, forget to yeah. take the emotion out of it between the teams. If if Vegas is only thirty-four points, we may see twenty-three. We may see twenty-one. I wouldn't um, be, su- yeah, I would, wouldn't be surprised at all if we saw twenty-one or fewer points. I mean, my God, Iowa's offense is so fucking bad. <laughs> like it is seriously, it might be the worst offense, and they're seven and a half point favorites. Like I don't know where they're gonna score seven and a half. I, I don't know how they're gonna hit the over on seven and a half. They haven't yet. I don't think. I don't know what they did last week, but 
sure they probably did get more than seven and a half points. I think they were like 20 something point favorites, but they're just so bad. Yeah. They scored. Okay. They scored 27 last week. That was against Nevada. Um, I think Iowa's defense is good enough to keep them in the game. So I've definitely taken the under on that one. I don't know if I feel comfortable enough with Iowa's offense to take them as a seven and a half point favorites. They might need a couple safeties like they did week one against uh, was that South Dakota State or North Dakota State. It was uh, South Dakota State. Scored seven yeah, that, scored seven points without a touchdown. How is that? That is that's that's impressive. I'm honestly impressed that you suck that bad. I, that you score seven points without a touchdown. I remember looking it up as the first time since 1980 that happened, and then the last time before that was like 1942 or something like that. Which you know that is what you would expect for a game played in 1942. Not one played in 2022. Nepotism, Man, ne- nepotism is alive and well at Kinnick Stadium. Uh, Brian Friends does not deserve that offensive coordinator job or that QB coach job. They need to find somebody that can do it, or else they're just going to keep wasting really good defenses. Man, that's 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 just an ugly line right there. That's I can't get past that. that that's I get that. <laughs> All time, That's horrendous. all time stinker of an offense this year coming out of Iowa. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm not going to talk about that game anymore because I'm not going to watch a second. Man, I, that that game belongs <laughs> in a toilet bowl, and maybe, yeah, that 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 is that's just an ugly, ugly game right there. Yeah, not Arkansas and looking... A&M though. However, give me the Hogs in a shootout, man. Yeah, I, um, I think give so. Give me the Hogs in a shootout. I, I, the Hogs defense is bad, but I I have Jimbo Fisher. Outside of Jameis Winston, hasn't proven he can. His quarterbacks have stunk since the '90s. Outside of Jimbo Fisher, I think Jameis. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah. I, excuse me. Outside of Jameis, yeah. Uh, that's, I you know, I think points. For whatever reason, I'm kind of getting. Uh, was it A and M LSU? That game went to seven overtimes, seven four overtimes. Overtime. Yeah. yeah, a few years ago. Uh, that's. I'm not saying it's going to be that, but Arkansas looks good, man. Yeah. Texas A and M's defense is good, but I and. The equalizing factor of it for me is Arkansas's uh, secondary is horrendous. Their pass defense is horrendous. And A&M's quarterbacks are – that offense is just so boring passing-wise. But that I think that's, you know – I think that's where the equalizing is to where it's, you know, going to be scores back and forth. That's – give me the hogs in a shootout. Yeah, KJ Jefferson is not going to have a problem scoring on that A&M defense, I don't think. Have they regressed a little bit from last year? Because they were pretty solid, I thought, last year. The Hogs? Uh, their defense. No, did. excuse me. The A&M's defense. Excuse me. Uh, I don't I don't know in terms of, like, rankings-wise if they've regressed. But they definitely didn't yeah. haven't looked as good as they did last year. Um, yeah. You know, when you're playing powerhouses like App State, that's going to happen. But I, I think most of the problems with A&M are on the offensive side of the ball just because they still haven't figured out their quarterback situation. Like, obviously, they swapped Haynes King out. Um, I just don't think any of them are going to be all that good. And this is going to be a game where you may see Arkansas's pass defense look a little bit better just because now they've got another quarterback. Max Johnson, I think, is who it is, the transfer from LSU. And yeah, he he's going to have to get some rhythm going, and that's going to take a while. So I think it's going to make the Hawks' defense look a little bit better than it probably is. So I agree with you. I'm taking the Hogs pretty comfortably in that one. Uh, and I think that it is also going to be a shootout. I think there's going to be quite a few points scored just because the Hogs' pass defense might look better, but it's not going to look good. So give me the Hogs in a shootout as well. I'll ride that with you. 
And then last up, probably the best game of that night slate, but the one that we're not going to be able to actually watch because it's on the fucking Pac-12 network. We got USC going to Corvallis and playing the Oregon State Beavers. As much as I hate the Trojans, they're a really good team this year. I don't like saying Lincoln that. Lincoln Riley, man. Oh, my God. That motherfucker is going to turn them around so quickly. I, I will say, I've said it since before the season started, they are going to run into a defense with a pulse at some point that can beat them in the trenches, and then that's when they're going to struggle. It's been a Lincoln-Riley issue for years. It's gonna. It's been a USC issue for years. Putting those two teams, putting those two factors together, they are going to run into a team that can play bully ball, and that's going to be a game that they lose. They have insane weapons, though. Like they're that's some greatest show on turf tier shit that they've been able to do on offense so far. Yeah, that's that's. A, I'm looking them up right here. USC. It's and it's it's just tough because I think they're gonna win pretty comfortably against Oregon State as much as I have enjoyed yeah, seeing Oregon I mean, State play better. Their, their like lowest, their lowest their lowest point total at forty one points. That's yeah. Their that greatest show on turf is yeah, I mean that's I don't know, I'll admit I don't know a lot about Oregon State this year. Um haven't followed them at all. But I, yeah, I mean USC Number seven USC against Oregon State. Uh, yeah, that's I don't know what the spread is on that game, but USC straight up all day long. Yeah, and, and that's, I know that's I know that's an easy pick. I know that's kind of a a cheap, a cheap way to to make a pick there, but I so mean, sometimes the cheap way is the smart way. Unfortunately, uh, it's, it's the correct way too because it's, sometimes it's just easy. Yeah, I mean they're they're both three and zero, so I mean it's not like neither of them are bad teams or anything like that. And you know, Oregon State has beaten teams that a lot of people thought were gonna end up winning games like Fresno state was supposed to be the PAC 12 killer. And they ended up beating them on the road. They beat Boise state where a lot of people were picking Boise state to win outright. They ended up beating them by 17. They scored 68 against Montana state. So, I mean, it's not like they're not putting numbers up either. So I'm, I feel pretty good about hitting whatever the over is on this one. Um, I feel like that I, I feel like USC is going to win this one pretty comfortably, though. They just have too many weapons that the talent disparity is just going to be huge. And eventually, Oregon State is not going to be able to handle that. Yeah, they're not going to have the horses in the stable, man. I'm, I'm looking at this now. Caleb Williams is freaking balling. 64 of 86. 874 yards, 8 touchdowns, 0 picks. Yeah. Uh, per points bet, the spread for... This game is Southern Cal by five and a half. So pretty close. Uh, that's another one there where it's like. Okay. You can see, yeah, looking at some of these other books, you got Caesars at six, FanDuel five and a half, DraftKings five and a half. Like, that's that's one of those ones where it's like, is, is they're just trying to make you overthink it. They, they might be. But, the over under is 70 and a half, and I feel pretty good about taking the over there. <laughs> I mean, I don't. I'm looking at. Oregon State stats now. I mean, yeah, they don't look horrible offensively, but they're. It's going to be the trenches again with them. Like, yeah. I. Yeah, I think you're right. If Oregon State is somehow able to play some bully ball with them and actually get pressure on Caleb Williams, that might be the key to. Yeah, if Oregon plays ball control, yeah, plays ball control football, bully ball, that's gonna that's gonna keep them in it for sure. Yeah, plus I mean. That. That, that being said, they are ranked 85th in predicted points added against the pass. So 
not a good pass defense. So nope. I feel pretty pretty good about that seventy and a half over. <laughs> it's seventy and a half. Yeah, I'm, I'm taking that one all day, honestly. Yeah, I, I, yeah, until Oregon starts sitting on the ball, though, that they're yeah. going to try to do that. Um, yeah, that's. Uh, I mean, I definitely, I would almost, I almost feel more comfortable taking that. Well, yeah, points. I mean, if you're taking seven, if you're taking a seventy and a half over, then yeah, the spread you definitely don't want to touch the spread because that means it's probably going to be. A pretty close game. Yeah, um, that's interesting, man. Fun. I think it's going to be a pretty fun slate this week. Honestly, looking at some of these games, you got a few that aren't going to be particularly fun, like Michigan, Maryland. I'm not really sweating all that much. Um, but then you have games like Duke, Kansas that could be fun. You know, they're not necessarily marquee matchups. We don't have a ton of those, like outside of Florida, Tennessee, and USC, Oregon State, Arkansas, and like you know, those are probably the three highest profile matchups, but you know, could be a pretty fun slate of football at least. So what is going to be your game of the week to watch this week? That What's the one, what's the game outside of the Auburn game that you were just, you're locking that one in, you're watching that one no matter what. Like I said, man, I may not make it five minutes through the Auburn game. Um, <laughs> Fair point. I mean, it just, um, like I said, I may be in a therapy session at halftime. Um, I'm looking at it now. Um, Michigan State, Minnesota is a big one for me. Uh, Arkansas and A&M, though, man, just a little bit of SEC bias. That's probably going to be the game I, I, I'm most excited to watch this week. Yeah. Tennessee, Florida, I, I think Texas A&M, Arkansas is going to be a much better game. Yeah, I would, um, I would agree with that. Yeah, that that that. Uh, there's a couple of good games on the slate, man. But I, if I'm picking one, I'm going Texas A&M, Arkansas. Yeah. Give me the hogs. I'll uh, I'll kick my Midwest bias in and go Minnesota at Michigan State. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how that one plays. That, out. That's probably that's probably my second choice, and the third is Clemson Wake Forest. I'll de- I'll definitely be watching the the Sparty game. I would say my second one is USC at Oregon State, but it's on the Pac-12 network, so I'm not going to be able to fucking watch it because that network. Man, I'm, sucks. I'm yeah, I'm, I'm definitely not getting it in Georgia. Yeah, one of our guys. So one of our other contributors, uh, Austin, he lives in Washington and he's not able, he doesn't have Pac-12 network like he's not able to get Pac-12 network it's just un- how it's just unreal how poorly managed that whole situation has been they desperately need some bigger network to buy them out at this point well there's parts of Georgia that don't get Falcons games or Braves games sometimes so if that tells you anything yeah that's true that's I so I live in Indianapolis and Indianapolis is probably one of the worst areas in terms of blackouts because Cincinnati is in our area and Chicago is in our area St. Louis sometimes gets in our area so we just get we have so many different media blackouts that we are just not able to like get the games on like the streaming services like for me I'm like for me I'm a White Sox fan but I wouldn't be able to get White Sox games on like extra innings or anything like that because I'm technically in their market just unreal, oh, wow. unreal stuff. I think I've seen like, I think I remember reading somewhere that Iowa has the worst media blackout coverage for some reason. It probably says they don't have any sports teams or anything, but man, it, yeah, living in living in an area that's not like in the middle of major markets is just tough. And I just don't understand it too. Like, if someone wants, I mean, there may be pay-per-view options for things that aren't on major broadcasting channels where they black things out because of TV rights for certain regions. But the, I, to me, I would think you'd want to be on one way or another. If you're being broadcasted, that you should have a platform where everybody in the country can access it. Somehow. Whether it's through subscription, streaming, pay-per-view, there's, there's got to be 
like I said, man, growing up, growing up back home, I was I grew up in southeast Georgia, more about ninety miles north of Jacksonville. Okay, something like that. And uh, we always got Jaguars games. Couldn't get Falcons. And really? It, yeah, and it was just a lot. Of, you know, there's a lot of Falcon uh, Jaguars fans in the area, but I'm a Falcon. You know, yeah, and like I'm in Georgia and I can't watch my team. It just it's terrible. Yeah, it, it's tough out there. But yeah. luckily, that's not too big of a damper on college football because there's so many damn networks that you're able to find at least something that you can watch. Um, yeah, looking forward to this week. Looking forward to just watching more college football in general. The season's marching on, and we're starting to see the picture a little more clearly now, as is Vegas. So looking forward to see how some of that plays out, but. Uh, I do want to appreciate you coming on and talking ball with me, getting getting a chance to vent about Auburn a little bit. We both got the chance to vent about our teams there. Um, I want to thank all of you for listening, and I want you guys to have a good weekend. Hopefully you guys win all your bets and have fun watching all your teams win. But be sure to follow us on Twitter at TNTCFBPod. Uh, make sure to join the Discord that is linked in that account. And like, share, subscribe, review, all that good stuff. And don't tweet at recruits. Don't DM them. Don't do any stupid shit like that. They don't like it. Just, just let do. Just let them be. Just let them be kids. Good night, everybody.